I get incredibly nervous when I have a chance to speak. You know why? Not because of you. It's because of the responsibility you carry when you're up here with the Bible, God's holy word, and you're going to open it and talk about it. I'm nervous because God's the audience here. We're just studying and learning. And the responsibility for that is just incredible. So you, you pray for everyone who comes up here and speaks. Gray and elderly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll come back and get you. <laughs> He'll be gray by Easter. If we have anything to do with it. Um, we really do love each other. <laughs> I've had, uh, you would be amazed how many people say things uh, when I make phone calls to people uh, that visit and, and I get the opportunity to, to meet a lot of folks and starting point. And you would be amazed at, uh, I've, I've been asked tons of stuff. Well, Y'all like bust on each other all the time. And I'm like, yeah, that's just a love language. We really love each other. We, we work all day together. We, we go out to eat lunch together. We do things together on weekends. We, we really love each other. And uh, leadership, the closer you get to leadership, the more you begin to understand that we, we really do like each other and what we do. Um, Sam, thank you for an incredible couple of decades of ministry. And we get to be the recipient of all that for sure. Um, we're grateful for that. <clears throat> I've been asked several things about uh, leadership in our church and how, how does it operate and how does it work and um, from um, who can serve and how do you get there and what do you do and things like uh, y'all pray a lot. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure we pray enough. Can you really pray enough? No. Y'all read the Bible a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize about that. We read scripture. We encourage you to read scripture every day to get involved in what God is doing, wanting to reveal to you through scripture. And uh, that's a challenge to each of us for sure. But as we continue our core values, <clears throat> a series on core values, last week was biblically centered. And the reason why that we started with that one is because we want everything we do, our church, our life groups, our families, individually, we want to be biblically centered. To do that, you got to know what's in here. So when you're reading and understanding God's word, the Holy Spirit brings, if you're a believer, brings that out. Those words jump off the page into your life and you begin to, to know God's word. And that helps you do it. It's not enough just to know, according to James, we do the word of God. Week two, we talked today about plurality in leadership. What does plurality in leadership mean? Led by God, our leaders elders, staff, lay, or volunteer leadership work together to reach into their respective neighborhoods to share the gospel 
and advance the kingdom of God. Here at the fellowship, a plurality of leadership is from top down that gives us the opportunity for accountability and true community in everything that we do. We seek to encourage and sharpen one another. That helps us keep one another from running our own agendas, running away with our own agendas at times. That way we're more likely to keep in step with what God is doing among us and through us and to us. Working together, contributing equally as God sees fit that we might be one in unity and purpose and spirit like Philippians 2 says. Our governance is plurality. There's not one man, there's several who lead. We're not saying that any other type of leadership is wrong. What we are saying is that leadership that we have is what we feel led to be governed by. That started several years ago when we changed our governance. And we're saying that we value each other. We're saying this is us. So hear me, hear me clearly. There's not a bad governance in a church. A church that lists the holy name of Jesus, that believes in the Trinity, that prays to God, that is a church worth being a part of. Today, we're not talking about all the governances of churches because there are many. This one is about who we are and what do we do together. We have a group of elders that serve. Those elders serve because you've nominated them from the congregation. The elders that are active take those, interview, present new elders. New elders are voted on, and those are the elders for that three years. We have a staff leadership team. That staff leadership team is led by a person who coordinates that team. We have four teams. We have a worship team. We have a teaching team. We have two campuses, two rivers, and Mount Juliet. And all of those teams are led by a coordinator that serve on the staff leadership team. We have teams on both of our campuses. We have teams of teachers who teach up here and divide God's word. We also have worship teams that rotate. I've been asked several times. I've been there four times, and I never hear the same leader. Well, it depends on what specific four times you've come to who you've heard. That's because the worship team is not one person. It's several. But there is a coordinator. Aaron does that. Justin Lett does our coordinating of our teaching team. That is this platform. And he coordinates the content development and series for our church. And then Scott Matthews, who prayed for Sam, is campus pastor at Two Rivers. And he leads that campus and that staff. And I am here at Mount Juliet and lead this campus and this staff. And we try to all work together to do the things that we believe God is leading us to do. So gifts are a big part of that same conversation. We value each other. 
You may not realize, or you may, if you've been to Starting Point recently, our vision statement is we, we are convinced God can use our church to change our cities and communities to the Lord. We'll get into that later once we get into our core values of serving together and uh, some down the road uh, of what our vision is. But, but I want you to notice for today, it says our church. And in that means what we try to do is doing whatever it takes to develop disciples of Jesus Christ who gather, grow, and go. That's the mission for what we do. And our church is a part of that. So our church means you. It's the ministry partners who collectively come together, who have a covenant together to come and serve the Lord together. It's about we over me. It's about us. Us is Two Rivers and Mount Juliet. We are both campuses. It's not about me. It's not about our life group or just our campus. It's about all that God is doing in our fellowship. We're all in this together. We're not independent. We're codependent on each other. In fact, even carrying it far enough, students, you don't attend your parents' church. You attend your church. This is your church. This is not an adult church that you come to. We talk to our kids about that. If you become a believer in Jesus Christ and a ministry partner, it's the church that they come to. It's theirs. And we try to teach that on a daily basis. Plurality in leadership. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, or phone, or iPad, or, or whatever you might have, to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. As we take a step further into the plurality of leadership, it's way bigger than just governance. It permeates everything that we do and everything we think. Because of that, it is deep-seated in who we are. Yes, it's about elder leadership. Yes, it's about staff leadership. Yes, it's about the volunteers and lay leaders. But it keeps going into the participation of what God is doing in our community through you. It's not that you bring someone to someone so that they can hear someone. It's you carrying the message of Jesus. It's the priesthood of believer. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and through you that you carry the message of Jesus to people. Our charge comes from Scripture. And numerous times over and over in Paul's letters, he talks about that as he travels. Also, Luke talked about that in Acts chapter 20. So, Acts chapter 20, let's stand together in honor of God's Word. And let's, let's read verse 28 through 31. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he's purchased with his own blood. 
I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on alert, remembering that day, that night and day for three years, I have never stopped warning each one of you with tears. Father, it's our hope today that we understand a simple truth of being a part of your ministry. It's no one else's ministry, it's yours. And that we play the role that you want us to play, just how you've made us to be. Lord, in your name that we pray, amen. You can be seated. What Paul does here in what we know as the Ephesian church, it's beginning, it's beginning to form. It's actually remarkable because Paul is taking a very simple truth of empowerment and empowering the overseers, the elders of its plural, to oversee and take care of the church. Now, in those days, there are thousands of new people coming to follow Christ. And he was concerned in the discipleship, what we talk, call that today, to understand the role that they play. The Holy Spirit speaks through them and to them at the same time that the overseers protect the theology of the church, that they hear the right thing. They understand and they do the right thing. Quite remarkable that Paul does that. And he is able to protect the people from hundreds of miles away. And he did that over and over again through his missionary journeys. I love what Paul did. That he turned the heads of people and the minds and the hearts of people not to himself, but to the Lord that he turned it to God's glory, that he pointed people to what God was doing, not what he was doing. Pretty amazing part of Paul's message to the churches that he started over and over. In Acts chapter 14, if you'll flip over to Acts chapter 14, verse 21 through 23, after they had preached the gospel in that town, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in their faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through the many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then let's look at what Paul's saying. What, what, what is being said over and over and over again of what he tried to do as he was in his journey. That there were pastoral oversight in the church. That there is too much for one person to do because of him. And he is not present all the time everywhere. That he left elders in charge. At the same time, Paul recognized the need for extra leadership within the church body to remain true to the faith. And number three, prayerful trust in God to be centered 
on the mere existence of what God is trying to do. In fact, even carrying it further that the world and culture was changing around them. And he wanted the elders to make sure the church did not change with the culture. The church had the culture of God and remained as God wanted it to be because God doesn't change. So three points. And, and don't, don't worry, this, this will go quick. <laughs> don't be worried. I don't have a pointer. Um, I don't have a laser pointer. Some of y'all were worried earlier, like, I tend to go a long time with a pointer, like, woo, you know, shining around. Um, I, w I want you to stay with me because these three are huge for the development of our church and how you play a role in that. Point number one, plurality and leadership breeds the kind of culture where we make each other better. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Not to do it, to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This week, uh, Scott and I read an article that's powerful. Chuck Lawless, a pastor, he's a part of the Leadership Network, if you're familiar with that. Uh, he listed seven things that we, it, it, it would be crazy to paraphrase because it's so valuable and so real to the message that Paul is trying to communicate over and over again. Number one, God created us to be in relationships. From day one with Adam being lonely, the development of relationships began to form and never stopped. There's never a reason to be isolated and be put down and discouraged when others around you can help edify and build you up. That's what the church should be known for. Satan perverts that and turns it upside down and uses it like, I don't want to go to church, to that church, because all the things I can't do anymore. We live on this side of grace. We should communicate that to the dying world. It, it's the hope that we should carry with us. It's who God is to them, that God has created relationships for a very powerful reason. Number two, none of us is wisest alone. None of us is wisest alone. No matter how smart we think we are, we're better together. Two and three and four can get together and make something incredible especially when we're all for following the Holy Spirit. Number three, all of us have blind spots. Blind spots on a team are a given. It's the assumption. Blind spots by ourselves are never recognized. We all have blind spots and need others to point out before 
we act and we have our tendencies that overcome us. Number four, a plurality of leaders keeps us humble. That no one takes credit for something. In a group, we deflect God's working together, contributing equally as God sees fit, that we might be one in spirit and purpose. The unity of our church would be complete. Bow your heads with me. Lord, it's our desire to understand the role that you want for us to play in this church, each one of us. We're not looking down the row. We're not looking across the room. This is an inspection on us. What can I do to serve you? Thank you for these here today. Mold us and shape us directly at what you want us to be a part of and what you want us to do. As we grow, leading people to, to you, may we be faithful in everything we do, in everything we say, in everything we think, that our hearts might be bent to you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. There are prayer opportunities on both sides of the worship center. You could write a prayer on a card, stick it on the cross, and staff and elders pray for you. If you want someone to pray with, we have some people who would love an opportunity to pray with you about something. We also have communion on both sides. It's the same on both sides. And I want to invite you to partake in communion. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it's a, it's a memory of what God has done in remembrance of what God has done. I want to invite you to, to take during this next song. Let's stand together.